0: more and more I do this podcast, I'm learning that people show up in this world so many different ways. They gain perspective and develop their beliefs through lived experience. Um, you know, black men show up in this world so many different ways. And I don't know all the terminology, so I'm just going to say that I'm a straight black man, I have been my whole life. Uh, in that time growing up, you know, I've definitely... Thought ignorant, spoke ignorant of things that I didn't know about, and you know, as I grow and learn, um, you know, I'm learning that that there's a hundred different ways for people to show up. You know, a hundred different ways for people to show up, and that's what I love about doing this podcast. And in this episode, I got to sit down with my friend, uh, who's been you know cutting my hair for a while now, and. In the midst of those cuts, man, we have a lot of a lot of different conversations. And to sum it up, you know, going through some of the toughest times of my life, you know, who you think is gonna be there, I'm not gonna say who you think, but who I thought was gonna be there when the smoke cleared was not who was there. And many different people, um, I'm not gonna say many because that, that doesn't represent what I'm what I'm feeling couple different people showed up for me and this brother was definitely one of them so I'm excited to share his experiences and he's gone through a lot of adversities in life and in this episode you're going to hear about uh you know growing up in the country you know uh, getting teased for many different things including being gay uh going through the marine the marines catching a case and dealing with the legal system, being in jail and going through probation and overcoming all of that to get to a space of peace and happiness. And I'm really proud and happy for this brother. And I'm excited for y'all to get to get some insight into his story. So uh, with that being said, thank you again for listening to this newest episode of Vulnerabilities and New Sexy. I hope you enjoy. It. Tell me about uh, what it was like growing up in, for you, growing up in Virginia. So I grew up
1: in uh, the country. I am from Nelson County, Virginia. Um, I was born at at my Grandfather's house. My grandma passed away the one month before I was born, so my mom had me, and my granddaddy helped raise me. So I lived in the country. I had fun. I rode dirt bikes. I cut the grass. You know, I, I lived a country life. It was nice. And then let's see, when I think I was like six years old, my mother decided to move to the city so that I could go to a better school district. And that's when life changed.
0: For, for for So for you, before you moved back to the city or to the city, it was your grandfather who had a hand in raising you?
1: Yes, my grandfather and my mother. My father was really never around he was too busy juggling two women at the same time. He was juggling my mom and my stepmom and so he really didn't raise me. And then you know, of course I have my aunt Roberta and then my aunt Jessabey and my great-grandmother Mary and that's who all raised me as a kid.
0: So he was raised by really me.
1: Yes, my mother really never, because my mother had me at 20. So when you're 20, you know, you're young. You're still a kid yourself. So she had help from all the older people that helped raise her. And because my mother's mother passed away, my grandmother, you know, I think everybody felt like they needed to step in because my mother had lost her mother. So my mother lost her best friend because my grandmother died of breast cancer, and so everybody just wanted to chip in to help her out. You know, she's only twenty. My mother had to work in the city, which was like an hour away. We lived in the country, so my Aunt Jessica Bay would have me during the day.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Was it tough for you going uh, from the farm and into the city? And we ain't,
1: we ain't had no farm. Now. It's country, but there ain't no farm. Okay,
0: okay, Bob. <laughs> we had
1: we, 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 we had we had cow pastures, and we had you know we had corn. We grew some things, but it wasn't a big farm. It's just country living, you know. I guess you don't know. You grew up in the city. Yeah, it's no, just
0: uh, it. there's
1: there's one house, and then probably another two three miles is another house. You, you we get our water from the well. <laughs> We have septic tanks. Man. For a little, for a little bit, my Aunt May, who helped raise me, we she did not have running water in the house. So we had to go to my grandmother's house, fill up buckets, and take it to my Aunt may's house.
0: Oh, so this is <laughs> super country.
1: It's it's super country. It wasn't a farm, but it's the super country in the mm-hmm. 80s. But okay. you know, because I was happy and loved. I really didn't know that we were missing anything. You know? Right.
0: right. I mean, it don't sound like you were.
1: I wasn't really. We it had sounded like a good time we to had, be. We had plenty of food. We just had to work hard for the food. You know, we had to go outside and suck the corn and snap the peas. And then we had to chop the wood because Justin May had a wood stove. So I had to go chop the wood and put it in a wood stove. And we cooked dinner. It, it, it was normal for me. You know, it wasn't anything out of the ordinary. Something you did, and I just knew that my granddaddy had running water. But we always ate at Justin May's house because she was the only one to cook. Justin May would cook for me, my mama, and my granddaddy oh, well. every day. Because you talking about the wood stove that you put the wood, the wood in the the firewood yes, in there? The the wood stove you put the firewood in there, and you turn this little knob, and it, it makes it hotter. I don't know what the why it makes it hotter. You, Goodness. You 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 take this little you, I guess this little piece of iron and you pick up the iron to put it over the stove. You cook your food on there. It's not that bad. Lord <laughs> have
0: mercy. Lord have mercy. So was it tough for you leaving that to go to the city? So it, it it
1: actually was tough. I think we left the country when I was in third grade and we moved to the city and i I moved from that safe environment, you know every it's just love and family. I only hung around family, you know, I went to school, but it was mostly white kids, so I didn't really communicate well with those those kids and Then we moved to the city in third grade, and I was different. you know, I was country, so I didn't dress the party and have name brand clothes and have name brand shoes. Uh, you know, me being gay. Uh kids would tease me for that. And so it was hard transitioning from country living to city life because people are different. You know, people in the country, you would drive by somebody, they wave and how you doing. The mailman would we'll leave a piece of gum in the mailbox because he knew I was a kid in the house. You know, it's it's just different. People are friendlier. It's a simple time. We would just sit on the porch in the country and watch the cars drive by.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sound like the <laughs> color purple. what <laughs> I, I, keep...
1: I don't think it's that bad. <laughs> but it was it was just I feel like the mailman there. had them little bottles
0: on his thing and you you heard them coming from a mile away, huh?
1: No, we, we, we you go to the store. Oh, no, the mailman, no. We just knew he was coming because he came around the same time every day. Oh,
0: okay. All right.
1: So I would go up there and meet him to get the mail, and he gave give you a piece of gum. He had this big old bucket
0: Yeah.
1: full of, um, I forgot the name of that chewing gum. Mm-hmm. Bazooka. Bazooka, Thanks. yeah. I, I, know you would, I know what you're talking <laughs> about. I didn't talk about
0: bazooka. I know
1: what you're
0: talking yeah. about. Yeah, he had this big old bucket full of bazooka. It was was he was just country. Was he driving he was or was he on a horse and he was come on man? It's, come on, come on, man. You said you had a wood it's, stove.
1: It's 80, it was 84 through 89.
0: Okay. All right. All
1: right. Justin May had a wood stove. My granddaddy had an uh, electric stove, but he didn't cook.
0: Justin okay. May cooked. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, because you, you once you sit that stove, now you, my whole mindset is you want the color mm-hmm. purple. That's, that's what no, I see. That's color. all I see now. Yeah. Uh, so wait a minute. You said, you said they was teasing you in the third grade because you were gay. You knew in the third grade yeah. that you was gay? Um,
1: It wasn't just the, the gay. It, it was everything. You know, my mama would go. You know, she was 26 yeah. when she moved to the city. So we didn't have much money. My mom worked at this place called um, TriTech. And Tritech basically manufactured and packaged all the stuff that they made at Bath & Body Works.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I think my mom was making 8 and or $9 an hour. And so you have yourself to take care of and me. And you moved. You got rent. And so I didn't wear name brand clothes.
0: <laughs> we yeah. got our
1: clothes from the thrift store. and I didn't know any better. Kids was wearing Reeboks and I was wearing... Walmart, Walmart just came out, so I was wearing like family dollars stuff, payless stuff, you know. My mama had to do what she had to do. I couldn't afford it, was wearing Nikes and Sacone's and big bubble coats and British knights. I couldn't afford none of that stuff. So the kids would make fun of me because of that. And then, you know, kids, my mom would take me to the barber shop. And he just buzzed on my head because I was bald headed. Kids had high top fades. I had bald headed. <laughs> you no, know, I was just different. And yes, they teased me because I was gay.
0: So, every day. So, you're telling me young Marcus didn't have name brand clothes no, and, got a, and got a buzz cut Mm-hmm. and didn't have name brand shoes? No, sir. And I wonder how much that plays into the markets we know today, being a barber and being very meticulous about how his hair looks and meticulous about how your clothes and your shoes, which you have abundance of shoes. yeah that really plays into what people are trying to tell me about how unmet needs as a child manifest or play a role in our adult uh in our adult lives.
1: That could be. That's very true. Now that you think of it,
0: it's very true. But I'm curious because, I mean, you said, I mean, you were in the third grade and they're teasing you because you're gay. Like, first of all, when did you figure out that you were gay? And and, and then how did everybody else know? Because I know you weren't going to school just talking about it.
1: Um, I guess I was not super masculine. Um, I really wasn't interested in... Playing any sports. I wasn't interested in rap or anything of that nature. And so moving and then where we lived was kind of not the best part. Low income, my mother was on, uh, it wasn't section Eight, but it's like, I guess it's income-based townhome. So mm-hmm. when you're in an income-based area, it's going to be predominantly Black. Okay. And I guess because of that, moving from the country where there's more Caucasians, you know, white people don't really care. They don't. And if they do care, they talk about you behind your back. But we were all kids, so no one really cared then. But moving to the inner city, that's all they had was to do is analyze everybody and talk about everybody because you had nothing
0: else to do. So you found more, uh, more people teasing you, your own people, mm-hmm. over everything. Mm-hmm. Not even just yes, being I mean. gay over everything. It was just your own people.
1: Yes. So because of that, I became more introverted. I know that's hard to believe. Mm-hmm. But yes, I was very introverted.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you broke out of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, I know that uh, at some point, though, you you dated girls, or at least one.
1: That was in high school, yes, I did.
0: So in sixth in third, fourth grade, you know, you you know, you you wasn't people were teasing you because you're gay, but at some point you turned around and started dating girls. How did that how did
1: that
0: um well so
1: oh Lord. I think I was just not ready to face the music. I knew my whole entire life that I was gay. Okay. But I guess I wasn't ready to admitted to myself mm-hmm. and so that's why I dated chicks. I dated I dated one girl in particular, her name was Vanessa. <laughs> we still friends to this day. But yeah. Oh for real. hmm
0: She's married with two kids now. <laughs> well I guess it didn't work out with you. No. Nope. She, she had to do something.
1: But her husband is dark skinned with a beard kind of look just like me.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so after after dating her you said okay now this is I'm just I gotta be myself at some point
1: no you know I think um from third grade until 11th grade I hid myself and I try I just wasn't very outgoing and then I growing up I was kind of chubby too and all that played a part into me being more introverted. And then 11th grade, I don't know what happened. Something in my mind just clicked. And I really just didn't give a fuck what nobody. Oh, am sorry. Didn't really yeah. care about what anybody had to say. And I learned to <laughs> defend myself. And whatever you had to say about me, I can turn around and say something about you. So yeah. you want to call me gay, I'm just going to overanalyze you <laughs> and see what your flaws are, <laughs> and I'm going to give it back to you. And then I started working. So I got a cell phone. I could afford clothes because I was I was hustling. I would work. I see my first job I worked at this place called Value City. <laughs> And then I went from Value City to working at this Italian restaurant called Vizzoli's because they paid like $10 an hour. And I would be there as soon as school let out to close every single day. And so my confidence got a little more built up. And I was able to, I guess, transition into manhood. And I started feeling myself. And then I didn't really care if you thought I was gay or not because... Okay, big deal. Okay, I'm gay. <laughs> oh. you, fe-
0: dope,
1: you you fell in the 12th grade for the fourth time. <laughs> you got two kids. You got two kids on the way, and you still in high
0: school.
1: Okay, I- I'm gay. So- <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: You know, all right, big deal. What else you got to say? No. Nah. So I just started defending myself,
0: yeah. and other.
1: I don't know. I went from. Like, the ugly prince or the ugly frog to the handsome prince, because, like, I got popular. People started loving me. I just started standing up for myself. And just things changed.
0: (laughs) Did you you find yourself happier when you started to get more comfortable? Uh, Extremely happy. Extremely happy. What was it like before when you was, uh, uh, was you insecure about being gay so or
1: I I, I I was never insecure. It was just like I wasn't ready to come to terms with it in my mind. I always knew that I was gay. <laughs> always. But I just wasn't ready to come out with it. And then I met this guy, his name was Chris, my first boyfriend. We dated in high school. And he made me more and more comfortable with myself. And then I started to like blossom or what's the word? I go through adolescence. So I, got a, I, I grew a beard <laughs> and I just started standing up for myself. And then I'm in 11th grade. I met my, we're still good, good friends to this day. She was my substitute teacher. Her name was Kim, <laughs> Kim, Kim took me started. We, me and Kim started hanging out cause Kim was like 21 and I was 16. And Kim started taking me to college parties. Now, I don't, I don't really drink. I don't have to, need to drink to have a good time. But she would take me to college parties. She would take me to adult parties. I just felt more comfortable with myself. And my self-esteem just went through the roof. And I really didn't care about what you had to say about my sexuality. Because I'm the shit. I I'm not, I can't cuss on him. I'm, yeah. a, I, I'm the stuff. No, it's, it's I like
0: people, people cuss on you. It's uh oh. yeah man be, be yourself man. i'm not trying to make anybody be somebody they not for sure okay cool but cool. uh but that's 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 cool to hear because you know these days you know I, being a teacher and all i mean it's young people out here that are uh killing themselves like yeah. you know committing suicide because they can't come to terms like you were at that point you know
1: and then also i i think because my mother was so young, me and my mother have always, till, till this day, we have the strongest relationships. So my mother and my family, instead of like normal, typical Black family, uh, turn their backs against me, it was the total opposite. You know, I've always been loved. So I've always been loved and respected by my family. So I could go to my family and talk to my family. You know, I, like I said, I had my aunt. Roberta, I had my um Jessica may, I had my granddaddy, my mom, my stepdad, and my i just I just have that to fall back on so I would go home and talk to my mom, and she would just make me feel better about anything and everything you know me and my mom were just like this. she's
0: my best friend so your family it came to terms with you being gay faster than you did they knew uh i <laughs> I always hung around my mom.
1: I always wanted to hang around all my aunts, mm-hmm. even like to when my mom would get her hair done, I would go with her to the shop mm-hmm. and be in the shop for three or four hours and just loving it, just looking at these beautiful black women and just listening to their stories I just know it, it 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 wasn't a i guess it was no uh, secret, yeah. <laughs> so my family always accepted. Me. So they were just wait, waiting on me. you to come to terms with it. Yeah, so waiting on me. It wasn't a big deal. Yeah. And then I didn't even out myself. <laughs> My cousin did.
0: <laughs> how did that happen?
1: Uh, I don't even know. I, I don't even know how it happened, but she cut, She outed me out. And I'm just like, oh, well, oh, yeah. I mean, ain't no, ain't no secret. Right. I just right. went with it.
0: So in that shop, because uh, I know I know what I know of you, you do have a, a, a strong appreciation for beautiful black women. Uh, <laughs> I do, and I do. Uh, is that where it kind of developed? uh you know, around that time in the shop, or you just is it just something that came over time? And just,
1: um, I just I guess growing up. Seeing all the beautiful Black women that I, that I was surrounded by, and then on television, and on TV, and in magazines, I just idolized women. I didn't want to be a woman. I, knew I, I just idolized how strong women are, especially Black women, how they carry themselves. And so I always wanted to aspire for that. You know, all, only male figures I had wasn't my granddaddy. My father wasn't around my stepdad was around but my stepdad worked you know black men we got to work to provide so all I had around me was beautiful black women from my aunts to my cousins I have a lot of aunts and they're all beautiful strong independent black women so I just had all them as role models so I've always idolized strong
0: black women always and respect them and so when did you decide that you wanted to en- enlist? You enlisted in, was it the Marines or? So I, in high school,
1: I should have took the opportunity. So in high school, we had the opportunity to go to college and college school for free.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: chose not to because I wasn't ready to come to grips with my sexuality. And anyway, when I got out of high school, graduated high school, I started going to community college. And I realized going to community college is just, it's not my thing. Mm-hmm. and one day just randomly I was at home I got a knock on the door from two recruiters from the Marine Corps they looked nice they came in they gave me the whole spiel about you know traveling and we'll give you a bonus if you enlist and you qualify if you depending on your ASVAB score you can get a the higher bonus and so I was like, man, I was working, still working at Fazoli's, <laughs> going to community college, barely making it. Because oh, when I when I got my, I had bought myself a car when I was 18, but I barely making it. there little my mama. I said, you know what, man, this, I don't want to keep going to school. I said, you know what? I'll join. So I think they came to the house In January, and I literally was gone by March. (laughs) They
0: got me. They always know
1: too. We 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 went to take the ASVAB is the first thing you got to do, and then you got to go to METS, where you know they check your blood and they give you all these inspections. And after METS, they shipped me to, Paris Island, South Carolina. And mind you, because I've never really been a bad kid, so my mama really never had to discipline me. So going from that to joining the Marine Corps, literally, so when you get on Paris Island, you ride around, looks nice. And then you see, it was like eight guys in these funny hats, kind of like this hat. (laughs) And the door opens up. And them eight men with them funny hats run straight on their bus and get right in your face and start yelling at you. And I was like, what
0: the
1: F did I get myself into? But it was
0: too late. <laughs> they just start yelling for no reason. Just hop on the bus and just go in.
1: They hop on the bus and they just tell you. They start yelling at you. And you just got to follow instructions. They told me to get, out and get on the line. Look straight ahead. Don't look around. And if you look, if you don't follow instructions, they'll they'll yell at you more. But yes, I joined the Marine Corps at 17. How long was you there? 18. Sorry, 18. Uh, Six years. Oh, wow. I signed a six-year contract. I don't think I knew that. I I, um, initially joined the reserve. So when you do reserve, you have to do six years because it's not full time.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yes. So why you say initially, did you change up?
1: Uh No. So what happened after boot camp, I made it through boot camp and I went back to my um, reserve unit, which is in Roanoke, Virginia, which is only an hour away from where I am. I guess something happened and we had to get deployed. But because of my MOS, that's your job title, I was an administrative clerk. They didn't initially need me in Iran or Iraq, but they needed me in Texas to send more people to Iran and Iraq. So I got activated my first my second year in and I got moved to Texas. And I was active for the remaining four years of my contract. Oh mm-hmm. just as a recruiter? No no I wasn't a recruiter. I was administrative clerk, which is a glorified secretary.
0: Okay, but you was in Texas the whole so time.
1: You process. Yes, I was in Fort well Fort Worth, Texas, but at the Carswell at Joint Reserve Base, and that's how I got here. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So, with all the training and all that, I mean, did did, uh, did you change in any way while you was in? The, like, did your discipline come in or what?
1: Okay, so. Before joining the Marine Corps, I had never in my entire life did any kind of outdoor physical activity, (laughs) never camped, never shot a gun, never repelled or anything. And I went from that to doing all that and more. You know, even with your job title, everybody in the Marine Corps is trained the same. Your first week, you're there. They just teach you the ways. You learn how to march, blah, blah, blah. About around your second month, they teach you how to shoot. We had an M16 service rifle. So you learn how to shoot. And then if you're advanced enough to learn how to shoot, they teach you how to shoot other things, like a saw gun. And then after you learn how to shoot, they teach you how to swim, <laughs> and that's a two-week process. After they teach you how to swim, and you have to learn how to swim with your everything on, your full gear and your boots and your uh, book bag, everything, all your gear on. After that, you go through what you they call gas mask training. <laughs> Well, first they teach you how to put the gas mask on, take it off, and then they put you in a room with actual live gas.
0: Lord have mercy.
1: After that, you learn how to do repel training, which you repel from. They teach you how to do it on the ground, and then you go from there, and you repel on towers. And then what else did we do? Repel training, rifle training. Oh, and they teach you how to fight. So I learned how to do Marine Corps martial arts. You have to become a black belt in Marine Corps martial arts. This is, uh, becoming a Marine takes two months of training. Then after the two months of training, the last phase is the last two weeks is called the crucible where you're outside for two weeks straight. They give you, I think, 16 meals, which are these things called MREs, And you only have those 16 meals and you're outside in the tent and you go through all that. You go through all the obstacle courses and the training and the shooting and all that. And then after you do all that, the last two days or the last day, you got to do a 20 mile hike. And And after you do all that, and mind you, we've been sleeping outside for two weeks straight. After you go through all that, then, and then and only then, you'll become a Marine.
0: (laughs) So the Marine Corps got you in shape, taught you how to shoot, taught you how to fight. Yes. And taught you how to swim. Yes. And
1: then after all that, after you graduate, you become a Marine or whatever, you have to go through combat training. That's another month. Which is even more intense because you outside more and they teach you how to sh- they teach how to shoot guns, missiles, rifle, they teach you how to uh handle a grenade, like everything, just combat training. Just put you in live combat situations. And after that month, <laughs> you go through MOS training, which is what your actual job is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's two months. So it took me almost I think a little bit longer than uh, almost a year to go through all that. And then I came back home. And then I was only home for a year to be shipped out to Texas for my last four years.
0: And did you, I uh, did you, uh, did you make a good decision? I, I, I think I made an excellent decision because
1: I go back home To Lynchburg and I visit and you see people I went to high school still work at Walmart got 15 kids a lot of a lot of the men that I went to school with are in jail prison dead It got you out of Lynchburg so yes joining the Marine Corps was probably the best thing could ever happen to me it taught me how to be a man it taught me how to clean It taught me how to be independent, even some financial planning, Mm. you
0: know,
1: it, it, it really helped me. And then it just taught me how to just be self-sufficient because, you know, my mom being a single mom, she really didn't teach me how to be self-sufficient because she was trying to navigate her way through life. Figuring out on her own Raising a young kid, yes. Right.
0: Man, you... Uh, yes, it's probably best decision I could ever make. While why you were in, uh, in the service, did, did your sexuality come into play at all? You know, in the Marine Corps, it's mostly... I
1: hate, I hate putting race in it, but, you know, mostly Caucasian people. And because I'm really not attracted to Caucasian people, and most of them are open-minded, it really never came into play. Really, you know, um, my roommates knew, but they didn't care. I didn't want them, they didn't want me, so it really wasn't a big deal.
0: Mm. the whole six years,
1: Mm-mm. not at all, not at all. Now, it did come into play a lot of times because you know on the weekends, especially on activity on the weekends. All they all the guys wanted to do was go to titty bars and drink. And I don't want to see titty and I don't drink. So that's really where my passion in hair came to play because on the base, all they had was civilian people giving. Cut. And I didn't have a car I didn't have my car for the first, I think few months of me being on base so I had to get my hair cut at these civilian places and they was them haircuts was not the teeth and I am very particular about my hair that's why I got this hat on there because I didn't do my hair but I'm really picky about my hair and um, they wasn't getting the job done so I decided I went to Sally's and I started lining myself up and then I started slowly fading myself up. And I got so good at it that I started cutting other people. And that's what I would start doing on the weekends is cutting hair out the bone because I didn't want to go to no titty bars. <laughs>
0: so you started cutting hair in the service. I
1: did. I started cutting uh-huh. myself first. And then I started cutting other people. And that's where it all came into play. And then then my passion started to grow. And I knew I was about to get out of the Marine Corps. And I knew that I did not want to live in Virginia. I did not want to go back home. And I knew I did not want to work in corporate America because it ain't for me because I was doing that in the Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. And so I started cutting hair. And I went to... Initially, I thought I wanted to do women's hair. So I went to cosmetology school first. Graduated. I got my cosmetology license. Is this is after the Marine. Y- yes, right at the border. I think. I think I got out in two thousand six, and right before I was getting out, I was um, I enrolled in cosmetology school.
0: Let me ask you this: You said something about being in a church choir, um, and throughout this throughout this whole episode, it seemed like you get the most resistance from. Black people. So I'm wondering, what was it a big deal in the church that you were gay? So, you know, it's crazy.
1: You can be feminine as all out. And it's just as long as you don't utter the words, I'm gay, they don't care. Mm. As long as you sing the songs, you praise the Lord, you do what you, you put on a good show, you shout, you dance around, they love you.
0: Then mm-hmm. you go in you there and say I'm gay.
1: Thinning. You can be feminine. You can wear makeup, even. But just as long as you don't say I am gay,
0: they don't care. Yeah, man, uh, <laughs> so when you get out the Marines, you go to the you go to cosmetology school, mm-hmm. and you you initially want to do women's hair, but you I mean cosmetology school, you got to learn. How to cut here anyway, right?
1: So, so in kindergarten school, they teach you one how to pass the test because you know in in Texas or really anywhere there's two parts to get your license. You got to take a I think it's like 400, I mean like 300 question test, and then you have to do a practical exam. So in Cosmos Harding School, the first four months you're in the classroom really learning the Milady book. That's the book we, that's the little guideline you go by, it's called My Lady. But they teach you the book and then it's really focused on how to um, pass the test. Mm-hmm. Mind you, the school I went to, I went to Remington College. Mm-hmm. That's what we did. And so I didn't initially start doing hair until probably the fourth or fifth month and that's when we actually started doing people and because I was more comfortable doing men's hair I was just in cosmetology I would just naturally gravitate doing I did a whole bunch of men I would do all the guys that came men all the guys so and then I would do some chicks, but it was mostly guys.
0: So I've been going to barbershops my whole life. Obviously, barbershop culture mm-hmm. being what it is, you mm-hmm. know, did you find any type of resistance in uh, you know assimilating yourself in a barbershop culture? Being that you, so gay black man,
1: I when I finally decided I was going to do men's hair, I initially because I did women's hair and other things in the hair industry from 2007 till 2011. So I worked at Tony and Guy. I worked at Regis, Smart Style, all the, all the places you can work, I don't work. It wasn't for me. So I initially got my foot in the door at the, at the barber industry working at Floyd's 99 Barbershop. And Floyd's is not a typical black shop. It is a shop where it's a Caucasian chain basically. They're mm-hmm. all over DFW and mostly who people are work there are little skinny, bubbly white girls. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. no, they didn't have an issue with my sexuality. The only issue that they had with me is because I was
0: greedy. Yeah. I
1: knew, I knew when I got through that door, is What, because you know I've been in, the, I didn't work so many places. I knew that if I was gonna make any money and I'm gonna be good at this, I got to take as many as clients as possible. So while them other chicks is in the corner talking, Marcus is sitting up front. And then when I first started working at Floyd's to set myself apart, I would wear a bow tie, slacks and a dress shirt and a vest every day so I would look the part so I would look the part and then as soon as a person walked through the door I was up there with the receptionist hey good morning good afternoon how you doing hey I'm Marcus what are you looking for come on back I took everybody and as soon as I was done with that person I was done with I would take take another and I would just wait Yeah. So I was greedy. They didn't like me because of that, not because of my sexuality. Right. I just knew that this was my last resort, and I knew I I have no family here in Texas, and I cannot fail. So I got to work, and I worked, and I learned. And when I, if I, even if I did not know how to cut somebody's hair, I'll still take them back, and I'll figure it out.
0: (laughs) So even at Floyd's, you was already building your brand.
1: Yes. I took kids, white, black, Indian, Pakistani, young, old people, scissor cuts, clipper cuts, long hair, straight hair, short hair, curly hair, long, whatever.
0: Which is why when you when you transition into being your own boss, an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. you and even in today to and in the present, you stay booked. Yes, I got you. For you to
1: make any money, you got to stay booked. I think how I have been successful with the barber is just being nice. One, being on time, being just showing up. Because I hear most of my clients come from other people. It's from their barber not showing up. Or when it's time for their appointment, they barber got another person in their chair. The barber don't take credit cards. The barber was slow. They barber cut their hair. They barber pushed their edge up back. And so I listen to all these things and I do the total opposite. Right. So I'm nobody there. What you say? What you about to say? I
0: would say, so nobody cares if you're gay. Because you're professional.
1: They don't, they don't care. I'm professional. I look nice. I smell good. My hair looks nice. My beard looks nice. My shop is nice. It's clean. You can have a beer. You can have a water. You can have a soda. I keep, I have it on sports for you. I have on some nice music that ain't cussing. If the kids need a haircut, I, if a kid got a haircut and there's another kid waiting, I put on cartoons for the kid. If a kid want to act up a fool in my chair, I give them my phone and they can watch cartoons and distract them while they get a haircut. I'm very pleasant. I talk to the moms. I get to know all my clients. I am am trying to get this money. So I am doing whatever I got to do
0: and get this money. And most of all, you're nice with them clippers. You good? Oh, yeah. Oh. I mean you you I know you humble, so you ain't gonna you ain't and some you humble in some areas. And I know that's one of them. So I'm gonna say that for you. You nice with them clippers, so you know. So I know that, pay, that that that's a big deal, too. Yeah. Uh, I want to say, um, well, let me ask you this before I even get in, before I even ask about this. Are you comfortable talking about, uh, you catching that case? Oh, that's fine. Yeah. So, uh, how did you catch that case?
1: Uh, unfortunately, um, as a kid, or well, not as a kid, uh, Growing up in this lifestyle, I would just date the wrong people. So I dated the wrong person. I got into a relationship with this guy. This is after the Marine Corps? Uh, yes. Uh, we met at the bar. Nice guy. He whined and dined me, swindled me, got me, he fell in love, uh, moved in together. I noticed that he liked to drink. Hey, but I didn't drink a lot. I just knew he liked to drink, have a good time. Okay, that's cool. That's fine. Then the drinking turned into uh, you drink every day. Okay, cool. Gotcha. Then we would go out to the club. He would disappear in the bathroom and then come out and he would be sweating and he would be moving really fast. And something was off. I didn't really know what was going on. I just knew, you know. He liked to have a good time. By the end of the night, you know, he would get sloppy drunk. Sometimes we got to carry you out the club, got to carry out the party, whatever. So I knew this would be a pattern. He liked to drink. And sometimes he liked like to get a little abusive. when drink. Mm-hmm. It just first started with a little push or uh, insecurity. Oh, I messed around with somebody. And then it got progressively worse. The pushing, turning, the hitting, and breaking stuff. I said, okay, cool. I took it. I never fall back. I'm just like, okay, he had a bad night. He'll sleep at all. So one time, I think this was, this was like uh, August. I remember it was hot as hell. He had just got off work. He was drunk and he was high cocaine, my ex. And he came into the house and he decided, you know, he wanted to start hitting me in the head Mm -hmm. and enough became enough. And I fought back and I fought him until the point that (laughs) he was belligerent. He was, he was, he was bloodied and and bruised and battered. I, I guess I had blacked out. So I got scared. I called the police,
0: <laughs> and then I left before they got there.
1: Uh, yes, I left before they got there.
0: Hello, nine one one. I just beat this dude ass. Uh, yes. Y'all come get him, but I ain't gonna be here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay.
1: So unfortunately, you know, I have forgot all about it. you know. Uh-huh. Uh, w- I came back probably I left for probably like maybe a couple of days left at a friend's house came back everything's back to normal not knowing so I went to work probably for because I had a job then probably for two months straight and then my job said hey because I had a job and I was doing hair I needed money anyway so my job said hey these people want to see you I said okay cool they put me into a conference room. It is six Dallas police officers. It's two months after the fact. <laughs> yes, two months after the fact. I, I had a warrant. You know, I didn't even know what a warrant was, but I had a warrant for my arrest. They came to the job. They put me in the silver handcuffs. Okay. I go to jail. They tell me I have an assault charge. Outstanding warrant for assault. Oh, I called my mama, and then I called my now ex. He was my partner, the boyfriend. I call him. They take me to jail. All right. He said, "Well, when you get to when you get to when you get down there, you, after you go to court, they'll tell you how much your bond is." So they told me how much the bond was. I think it was high. I think it was like two hundred thousand, <laughs> something hmm. like that. But you only got to pay 10% of that. Yeah. So bonding me out. And my ex never pressed charges. So uh, the court case, as you know, uh, to, I guess, make you wait it out. I was out on bond. I would show up to court. They give you another court date. Show up to court. They give you another court date. Show up to court. They give you another court date. That that went on for probably six months straight. Yeah. And then initially, they changed the court date. I didn't know they changed the court date. So when I went to the court again, they arrested me because I had. Revoked my bond. I didn't even know my, the court day changed. So the court day changed. I didn't know it. It was a, uh. it was September 16th. I went to jail. They revoked my bond. Okay, September 16th. I had went to jail. Never came out. I was in jail from September to January. Mm. I had never been to jail, jail, because when I went to jail initially, I was only in jail for like three hours. I got bonded out. This time, because they revoked my bond, they did not allow me to get bond. I had to stay in jail. And Mm -hmm. so they kept still doing that. You come to court, they uh, give you another trial date. So I did that for like two months. And that was October. My birthday rolled around. I'm still in jail. November rolled around. I'm still in jail. They keep going. You keep going in there. They take you in there. and Then they change your court date. Take you back. December rolled around. They said, okay, you can get out of jail if you take 15 years of probation. I said, no. They took me back back to court again. They said, you can get out if you take 10 years of probation. I said, no. Take you out. So finally, we settled to six years of probation. Mm -hmm. So I did six years of probation for the assault charge. And then after I did the six years, I had to wait another year. Actually, I had to wait two years. And then I had to go back to court to get my record (laughs) expunged. But When you're on probation in Dallas County, it's no joke. First, you got to pay restitution. I paid Dallas County $21,000. That's not to mention I gave my lawyer, because I had a lawyer, I had to pay him probably six grand. On top of that, I had to go to anger management classes. That was $4,000. And I went 12 weeks straight and I forgot, it was, how much was it? It was a ridiculous amount. And if you miss one time, you have to start over again and you lose all your money. Not to mention I had to do 400 hours of community service. Damn. And then when I first got out of jail, um, I had to report because of my assault charge. I had to go to um, probation every week. And every week you have to pay. So every time I went to probation, I had to pay a hundred and something dollars. And if I had to do a UA, which they would make you pull this this ball out, and depending on what color the ball was, you had to do a UA. A UA is forty five dollars. So I would have to pay at least hundred and forty five dollars to a hundred and something dollars every week, on top of doing anger management class. That's why the total ended up being $21,000 because I did that. So by the end of probation, so for the first year, I did like every week, and then every week went to every two weeks, and then every week went to once a month for the first year. The second year, it was every other month. The third year, it went to every two months, and then the fourth year... I went every three months, but once a month on those months that I didn't have to physically report, I had to mail in my money. And I also had to continue to do community service. And I did that for six years. Well, I don't really smoke. I don't really do drugs anyway, but never had a dirty UA, never missed it. I went to every, and then mind you, probation is not fun because you have to go and report with everybody. They treat you like a criminal. They ask you stupid questions because I had to stay away from my ex. They ask me if I've seen my ex. Also, not only do they drug test you, but they drink your alcohol. You can't drink either. So they test you for alcohol as well.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
1: And then they don't take credit cards, so you have to go get a money order every time you report. Oh to them. God! And you got to keep track of that. It's, it's 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 designed to make you fail because if you're addicted to marijuana, and you do a UA test, and then it's humiliating too when you have to do the drug test when they test you. The your your probation officer has to be in the bathroom with you. He's so having, he standing has to over stand you. beside you, and also. Standing over there is a mirror in front of the toilet so he can see your genitals when you're going to the bathroom.
0: That's crazy. And
1: also, the 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 U, the UA cup has a temperature thing on it. Tell you what temperature your body is. Yeah. So it has to be warm. And it tests you for everything. Alcohol, cocaine, weed, whatever. It tests you for all those things.
0: So they're trying to take away your whole livelihood.
1: They take away your whole life. And then if you get a dirty UA, they keep an officer at all probation. So if you have dirty UA or if you get $400 behind, you can get revoked. Your, your probation can get revoked and you can go to jail.
0: Straight to jail. Straight to jail. And they take you
1: right there. You don't have no chance to call nobody. Cause in, in in the um when you go report, you cannot have your phone on, and you can't have any metal on you. So normally, I would just leave my phone in the car, cause I already knew.
0: So you slip up one time in that six years, you would have went straight back to jail.
1: You go to jail, and I think they give you a a couple of times. Like you can go to jail, and you get you get bonded out. Your officer, your probation officer, can agree to let you out, but it's up to them. But it's not right away. So, for instance, if you go to jail Thursday, they may not let you in out again to, to Tuesday. So, if you got a job, you done lost your job.
0: Yeah, and then it.
1: your your car. Unless you know somebody who has another the key, they're gonna tow your car. To you. They're gonna tow your car and impound
0: it. I know everybody Isn't, ain't ain't passing like you was passing in them six years, so. And they're getting you. You said they're getting you every week, and in the beginning.
1: So in the beginning, they because they don't know you. You have to build that trust. I went to report every week.
0: So they catching somebody. They catching people slipping and they are going back, to a, going back to a lot of people going back to prison. A lot of people going back to jail yeah. on that is what you are telling me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it, depending yeah. on
1: your crime as well, you could have uh, you could have an ankle monitor on on top of having to report. Which that ain't cheap. Which, mm-mm. Man, 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 that's, that's crazy. So if, if somebody could spit on me, I'm not gonna fight. Uh, it's not worth it.
0: I think I, I mean I knew I knew all of that. You know what I mean? We talked about that before, but what I didn't know is two things that you said in there. One, that you was defending yourself. Mm-hmm. You went through all of that just for defending yourself, mm-hmm. and and it didn't seem like it. Seemed to me like nobody cared throughout the whole nope. legal process. And they don't care. I'm curious though, if you were a woman and you had beat beat dude up like that for uh, defending yourself, I'm curious if you would have had those same consequences. I don't know. You probably don't know either. But do you I ever no think idea. about that?
1: And then I, I I don't know. And then I've never been in trouble.
0: Yeah, I was yeah. never. In so trouble. you have no record. i had
1: never been in trouble. I don't have a record. I didn't even have a ticket. Never been in trouble ever.
0: And another thing is um you call the police on yourself. I did. You ever think about that throughout the process? Like, man, if I just would have left him sitting there, yes. maybe I'd...
1: I I was afraid I killed him.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. So you had to call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he knew. He never pressed charges though, but so I guess you can't really be too mad at him. I guess, huh? No,
1: nope. we we cool to this day. Now I'm on probation. We cool,
0: but no, no press charges on me. Wow, man, that's a lot. That's a lot. It is that's a lot. A lot to think about.
1: You know, and and it it happened so long ago because oh, that was I completed probation probably uh, four years ago. Um. I carry that around, because and that was another reason why I hustled so much at Floyd's, because I knew I had to pay that stuff. So
0: you 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 carry that
1: around? I carried it around, but like no one knew about it. No one. I just I just put it in the put it in my mind, locked the door, and kept it going. I knew that if I was going to make it, I couldn't have this woe is me victim mentality you know yeah i was thankful to be out of jail because i could be it could have been a lot worse i think going to physical jail and being in jail really changed my perspective and it really humbled me and it it really helped me to appreciate just the little things and just being free because when you're in jail you're First of all, you treat it like trash. You have I shared a sale from anywhere between five guys in t- on the weekend up to twelve people in a four a four I guess a four person sale
0: one toilet. Wait a minute, man. Hold on. It was twelve people in a cell so, for four. So what happens
1: when when, you, when in Dallas County? What they call leuceric. There are four pods one, two, three, four. In those four pods, there are four, there's two bunk beds two, 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 two. There's only supposed to be four people in the room. But because I said I was gay, they put me in the gay section, which that's a whole nother story. But on the weekends, more people come to jail. And so the jail gets full. And at night, those four pods, those doors lock because there's a day room. There's a shower in between at the top bunk and at the bottom bunk, there are four toilets all in the open. And then there's a day room with like two picnic tables and a TV that's locked up behind this glass. hmm So on the weekend more people go to jail for DWIs, drinking, or domestic abuse, whatever. More people come to jail. So, those four person cells become more person cells because more people are getting arrested and they don't have no room for them. Wow. Man. So, it was, it was one time, I, was, I think it was probably 12 to 13 people in the room, and then one man was high on meth and he was coming down off of meth.
0: He in a room with all these people.
1: He is in a room with all of us. That's the most weirdest, uncomfortable situation I've been in. Like this man, you know, he, he was high. So dealing with him being high, coming off the high, acting crazy. He has like open sores all over his face Man. and then you're humiliated because you're it's only one toilet. So Good. everybody gotta go to the bathroom in front of each other. You wow. have no problem Wow, wow, wow. wow. Yeah, so wow. I wouldn't I wouldn't uh I wouldn't want anyone to go to jail. I wouldn't wish that on my enemy. Man,
0: mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. I would be so mad this entire process from getting out of jail. Mm-hmm. To going through the pro I would be angry the whole time. So oh, uh, instead
1: of me having a victim mentality, I just like I was just thankful. Yeah. Thankful to be free. Cause and then again, I don't have no family here either. So no one visited me.
0: So you're doing all this on your own?
1: By myself. My mom, I could call my mom every day. Mention, it, and that wasn't free either. Yeah. <laughs> A phone, I think every time I call my mom, it's like 10 bucks. And you got to call Colette. But you know, I wouldn't wish being in jail on my enemy.
0: And you said uh it was a whole different situation telling me you were gay, huh? Oh, yeah. They put
1: you in a tank. Well, they put you. They keep calling it a tank. But they put you with other people who are gay. But... Um they don't like normally when they uh lock you up, they put you with like your like people who are with the saw, people who are DWIs, you know. But when you're in the gay tank, they put you with everybody. So I was oh, in there with wow. people who were all um, for murder, drug charges, more murder, like serious crime.
0: Yeah.
1: We just all happen to be gay. Or you- w- want to be gay, and then, look, we're not gonna mention it if it's a weekend and a transgendered person <laughs> gets locked up in the cell that's you watch grown men fight over these things, and then they are having relations in the open with these. Transgender people, so they would have a lot fights of you know. over the they transgender fight, people. They would fight. They would fight over the transgender person, and then they would go have their way with them. And then it right out in the open, the t- and it, it would happen to be the time that we were locked up in the bunk. Can you imagine? Like I would just lay in my bunk. Just I would move. But you could hear everything. i was like, oh, my God. I was like, is it over? Is it over? Is it over? Is it over? Yeah. And I think for the first week when I was in jail, I didn't go to the bathroom. Because besides the Marine Corps, I don't have to, I've never went to the bathroom in front of people. Right. And the Damn. food is gross.
0: Yeah.
1: I lost so much weight. Because they feed you for, for breakfast, for lunch. They feed us a bologna sandwich every day. I had a bologna sandwich for four months straight. I lost so much weight. I think I came out of jail. I was like 150. I went in jail like 180, came out 150. <laughs> I was not eating. Man.
0: Mm-mm,
1: mm-mm.
0: Oh, I wouldn't wish it on my enemy. Mm-mm. Oh, man. Mm-mm. but uh it sounds like you know between the marine corps and jail jail kind of and the whole probation thing kind of gave you your hustle or at least it it increased your hustle by a thousand and the marine corps kind of gave you the discipline and the you know say you said it it made a man out of you Uh, between these two scenarios you know you're not who you are and then Obviously all the things that you went through as a child, uh, all the things that you didn't have, all the unmet needs that you didn't have, uh kind of added to you having your style and you and you and you saying and and the way you carry yourself today.
1: But I, I think I, I just don't use it as like I, said, I just don't use it as a crutch. I I it made me stronger as a person. It taught right. me a lot. It taught me to be thankful, you know when When you have a felony or you're going through probation, like I couldn't get an apartment, I couldn't get a regular job, you know, I had to find other ways to to you know yeah.
0: to live,
1: and then because I went to jail, I lost my car, my car got repoed, I had bad credit, yeah. so I came out of jail with bad credit, a felony and no job
0: yeah so I had yeah. to hustle. that's that's <laughs> the that's the, that's the point i'm, I'm making thankful. yeah that's the point I'm making all the adversities you've been through in your life uh you know what i'm saying built built who you are yes. you know what I mean? you know what i mean every single every single negative thing that you went through, even you know what I'm saying going back to when you was getting bullied and that basically taught you how to stand up for yourself, you know what I mean everything you went through. Turn out for the greater good. And a lot of that is because of the way you process it in your mind. You process it to make it, make yourself better instead of to let, allowing it to tear you down. Mm, I agree. That's dope, man. You can't,
1: That's you, can't,
0: dope, you, man.
1: can't you can't, you can't, look, you can't let stuff like that, like tear you down. There's so much more to be thankful for. I'm thankful to now have my own business to have good credit. To have a nice shop, to live in a nice house, in my in my real name, yeah. having a clear background, you know, Yeah. It, it's, it's nice to have all these things. I'm thankful for it. To be in a healthy relationship with someone who is also oh healthy.
0: my goodness, that's the last thing on my list. Healthy relationship was a lot. Everything everything on my list you bring up before I even ask, but that was my that's why I was gonna go next. I was the uh, I was gonna talk to you first about because you know we talk. You know what I'm saying, and you you've been through a lot of bad ones, you know. Yes, well, a few bad ones, and to see you where you are now in this healthy, happy relationship, um, I'm, I guess I can say I'm blessed to know the difference between what what you look like in an unhealthy relationship versus what you look like in a healthy relationship. So, I wanted to give you some space to talk about, you know, uh, though how you felt in those bad ones, those unhealthy ones, and then what it felt like to finally get to the, the place you are now, which is the healthiest I've ever seen you. Um,
1: I think growing, like, in this lifestyle before, I never really pursued anyone that I was interested in. It was always the other way around. People pursued me. Mm. And so I never had the opportunity to figure out one what kind of guy or man I want, and then what kind of man am I? I was just kind of just going through the motions, you know. Early on in this lifestyle, you just kind of just thankful to be with somebody because everybody just wants to be promiscuous. And so the majority of the time from when I came out till four years ago, I just dated people who liked me. It wasn't it wasn't anything that I liked about them. They liked me. And I said, okay, I, I knew they liked me. And I got in the, all these situations with unhealthy people because I really didn't know myself. I didn't know what I wanted, who I was as a person. I was very unsure of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And this past i was in a relationship uh a year ago with the individual who thought it was okay to sleep with other people thought it was okay to disrespect me on a daily basis not physically but just disrespect me by texting other people going after friends you know just 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 being promiscuous mm-hmm. and just a sad individual, but I had to think about, like, did I really take the time to get to know this person before I got into a relationship with them? No. Did I take the time to even heal from the past relationship before I get into getting with this person? No. Um, Do I know what type of person I'm looking for, or did I take time to get mentally healthy and ready for myself or be a healthy person that I wanted to date? No. Nope. So with this relationship that I'm in now, we dated long distance. So he is from Arkansas. And so he lived in Arkansas the first half of our relationship. And it really helped me because we could take the time to physically get to know each other before becoming physically intimate. So I could... And then it also gave me time to heal from the past relationship because I had a lot of times I was was still by myself. And instead of distracting myself like a lot of people do with drinking and partying and hanging out with a whole bunch of people, I really took the time to get to know me and get comfortable with me and date myself. A lot Mm -hmm. of people don't date themselves. I feel like if you can't date yourself and you can't enjoy the company yourself. How are you gonna enjoy the company of somebody else? Or how can that person enjoy the company of you if you don't want to be around yourself? Right. And because of the past, I took the time to really get to know him, ask questions, have him ask me questions, which is something mm-hmm. I never done before. It's just normally, you know, I meet somebody, okay, we sexually attracted to each other, and bam, we're in a relationship. But with this. I took my time with it. And then I just took more time for me. And then a lot of times when he wasn't here and I felt those urges, you know, sexual urges or whatever, I just went to the gym. And by the time I get through with that workout, no matter what time, it it could be three o'clock in the morning. I would just go to the gym. And by the time I get back, I was good. I wasn't thinking about sex anymore. Or... I would call him, just talk to him, you know, get to know him. Get, and that's something I just never did before is get to know someone. And we have so much in common as well. I've never dated anyone that I have a lot of common in a lot of things in common with. And also I'm attracted to him as much as he is attracted to me. It's always, I've always dated people that just like me. I like him as well. And it's worked. It's been a year.
0: <laughs> mm.
1: And, I've done more with him and I've done more on working on myself since I've been with him, you know. Since I've been with him, my credit has gotten better, (laughs) you know. Um, uh, I think my haircuts have gotten better because I I, I got time to focus on other things. My relationship with friends, family has gotten better because he's really close to his family. So which made me want to become more closer with my family um i'm just a better person around him you know i i want to be better because uh i just i just want to be a better person you know yeah. <laughs> he yeah. motivates me to be a better person
0: yeah i appreciate that man y'all and y'all, and y'all real y'all got good energy to be around man when y'all you know <laughs> I'm just saying we all, when all being around y'all it was it was so much good energy like you know and um, I, I I I was around you and your ex, uh both your exes, and the energy wasn't the same. Not
1: at so all. I, yeah, it wasn't the same. Not at all. And I i i am just thankful, you know. I, I've never thought that i would be in this place where i would be able to truly like share a life with someone and build a life with someone you know right and it's it's been we still to this day it's been over a year we still haven't had an argument
0: (laughs) right right i believe that
1: you know we traveled we just got back from hawaii like we we have a good time we truly enjoy each other's company you know whether it just be him and i or him and I in a group, you know, and our families. Yeah, similar, similar family background. It, it's just, everything has just clicked. Yeah. <laughs> everything has clicked.
0: What's the last thing I asked ask. I know that uh, when you were in the gym, uh, you told me a lot of these, these married men, married to women, be shooting a shot. Uh, but I mean, you're a good looking man. So I wonder how often do, uh, do women shoot their shot? Uh,
1: You know, women'll look at you and smile, but they already know. And 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 if they if they do shoot they shy, you know, I just politely decline. Same thing (laughs) with men. Men, you know, in my inbox or in the grocery store or wherever, I politely decline. And and if you get belligerent, I just have to get belligerent with you and let you know I'm not interested, you know. Some of these men be, be calling
0: themselves straight men, all right? right?
1: Um, yes. Unfortunately, yes. That's crazy. I don't think you're straight if you're, you know, trying to pursue uh, intercourse with another man. But, hey, everybody's definition is different. It's just I had to realize that I can't control what other people do. I can only control me. Right. And I love his name is Shamar. I love Shamar, and I respect everything that we have together. And nobody can compare to him. So I just, it, it, I, I'm, I'm not interested. I don't even look. I'm good, you know. It, well, really? It's not even about the physical thing. It's just I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm good.
0: I'm good. Well, brother, I, I appreciate you. Uh, you know, what I mean, opening up. Well, I think I know. I know for a lot of men, I'm I'm thinking that uh, you know when you when you're a straight man, you really do kind of want to know some of these things about what goes on in, in a gay culture, especially black men, gay culture. But you're afraid, like if you ask the questions, uh, it challenges your sexuality or some or some kind of something like that. But uh, you know, I, I don't care, man. I'm I'm securing who I am. So, and and you know, me, me and you, we built a real bond. So, I you know, agree. we talk like friends. So, I'm gonna ask you questions like a friend. You know what I mean? And uh, and you, you know, and that's just how it's been. So, uh, no, I appreciate it, man. Cause I, I learned a lot from you, and I learned even more. <laughs> I, I learned even more sitting in this interview, man. Like the things that you've overcome. Oh. Well yeah, the things that you the things that you've overcome and the way that you process them, you know what I mean? By you know uh, picking yourself up every time. And you got uh, to. Yeah. And uh, you know, I know how I know I feel your energy when I'm in the shop and you are talking about just where you are in life as a professional, and uh, your in your personal relationships. Uh I mean you you just win it, man. And uh and, and I know I can feel that off of you all the time. So I, I'm just happy for you, bro. Happy for you. Oh, bro. Thank you.
1: I'm, I feel the same way about you, Mr. Corley. I
0: believe really you. Yeah, We're working on it, man. So, you know, you keep inspiring people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just telling the truth, man. I hope, I hope somebody out there, so this, this is the question I always ask the last, actually, when I'm talking to anybody. Uh, is somebody out there, young young man out there right now, who is dealing with some of the things you've had to deal with. Uh, it may be somebody out there who uh, is on probation or dealing with something like that or uh, trying to figure out what they're going to do their next move or they're or they, you know, or they're gay and hasn't come to terms with it. What would you say to uh, somebody who is living, not necessarily young Marcus, but people who's in the same circumstances as young Marcus through certain periods of your life? What what would you say to them?
1: I would say, one, love yourself. Because if you're going to love yourself, you will respect yourself. And then you're going to also, I would say, just accept who you are. Be who you are. Don't try to play a character or a role. Just be who you are and be proud of who you are and stand up for yourself and don't be afraid to express yourself and stand up to other people. And don't let what people have to say about you affect you because it's just words. And those words you're not who you say, You're not who they say you are. You know what I'm saying? You just you got to continue to press on and be positive and live in your truth, live in the moment and just enjoy life. And if you're struggling with something, talk to someone about it. Talk to your mom. Talk to your dad. Talk to someone that you can confide in and you can trust. And they can give you some good advice, you know. And know that you're not alone. There are other people in the world just like you. And there's other people going through similar situations. Just try to talk to someone about it. And don't be afraid. I think that was my whole biggest fear. I was afraid to talk to anyone about what's going on but i'm glad that i had a mother who was always she was always concerned and she could tell when something was wrong with me so i had a mother to go to with my issues
0: (laughs) yeah there it is man i'm gonna let that stand on its own Uh, (laughs) i appreciate you brother no problem appreciate you man